Welcome to the B2B Thought Leadership Podcast, where it is our job to share insights on how to become the go-to thought leader in your industry. I'm your host, Alejandro Sanoja, founder and digital strategist at Latin Presarios. And today, our guest is Ramon Santillan. Ramon is the founder of Persuasive Interview. Before, he was an interview coach. He was a tax consultant for the world's biggest accounting firm, the world's biggest oil driller, and the founder of his own tax practice. Ramon teaches his clients how to be more charismatic, feel and look more confident, show them the right way to brag about themselves during interviews, and turn interviews into job offers. He has been quoted by US News and World Report, CBS, Yahoo, CareerBuilder.com, the Chicago Tribune, and many others as an interviewing expert. His clients think he's pretty great, and he tends to agree. Ramon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Leandro. Always happy to talk to you. Ramon, when your name enters a professional conversation in your industry, what do you think are the thoughts and emotions that come up for the people having that conversation? You know, Alejandro, that's something that I, I wonder myself too. And I don't know exactly what they say. However, what I focus my work on is to make sure that I, I maybe manage that conversation uh, by the work that I do. So I always want to make sure my clients think that I'm trustworthy, uh, I'm invested in them, and that I do the things that I do because I love doing them, not because they're paying me to do. I think when you approach something, a project or a job, because it's something you love to do. Uh, in my case, I love helping people. Uh, you you don't really have to worry too much about what, uh, how long it takes, uh, you get it done. So I think that's what I wish and I hope and I think people uh, think of that about me when, when my name comes up, especially when my older clients uh, or past clients talk to potential new clients about me. Ramon, we've had conversations about this before, and I know um, I know you started basically you got really good at writing resumes and helping people, and then you started just helping out your classmates, and then it started growing because people got results. So at that point, you were working in your skill set, right? Like this, the think about the product that you offer to people, and it's no secret that packaging it's also important. Right, like Apple, for example, takes goes to great lengths to make sure that everything, not only the product but the packaging, it's in line with the customer's experience. So, for you, as a professional, I imagine at the beginning you were completely focused on your skill set, your product. At what point in your career did you start paying attention to you and your your package in terms of going to the market? I think. For me, it, it was when I decided to actually start charging for it. And I, I, I actually reached out to people. Some people, uh, when I first started, I, the reason I started, let's start with this, is because I was helping friends and then friends of friends, then acquaintances, and then strangers started calling me. They say, you know, someone told me that you would help me with my resume. And I would ask them who was like, well, you know, John, and I didn't know any Johns. So my, my, my reputation, uh, preceded me in a way. And at some point I decided, you know what, maybe I should charge for this because I actually got burnt out. So many people were calling me and I wasn't sure about uh, if I wanted to do this anymore. And I said, you know, the best way to do this 
to keep, instead of having to say no, I'll tell people, you know what, I'm going to charge them. So if I say I'm going to charge you, they're probably going to say, okay, never mind, and walk away. Well, the problem with that is that extra people start saying, you know what, that's fine, I'll pay you. And so that's when I had a business. Uh, one of the first things I invested in, actually two things I invested in, I invested in a logo, mm-hmm. and that was about $700. I remember that was uh, when I first, first start, got started. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was bootstrapped, so, you know, I had to sit down with my wife and talk about finances because, I mean, $700 is a lot of money to just drop on anything. Mm-hmm. And at least it is for me. And, you know, I talked to her and I said, you know, I think we need to invest this money in this business. And so I hired a designer and she walked me through the whole process and she made a logo. And at the same time, I spent $200, $190, I think it was, on a, a headshots. And I thought, you know, that, that this will be good because um, that way I can look professional. And that's same thinking behind the the logo. So $700 on the logo and then like about $200 on the headshots. Looking back at it, the more important thing here was the investment in the headshots. To this day, no one ever says, call persuasive interview, they'll help you out get a job. They say, call Ramon. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought about it later on. And I said, again, the, the, the logo is the same logo I use now. I mean, it's a wonderful logo. I love it. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. But I realized, okay, the investment should be made in me because really at the end of the day, people are dealing with me and not in the business. There's a difference. Again, the logo is for the business. The headshots is me. Because again, at the end of the day, people are buying from me. They're not buying from the business. Again, no one ever, to this day, it's been eight years since we started. And no one has ever said, I want to work with persuasive. I want persuasive interview to help me out. They say, call Ramon. Uh, he's going to help you out. So I, I, uh, that's the, the one of the first and, and big investments I made uh, in packaging. And I think if I were to recommend to anyone else, I'd say, you know, focus on you, whether it's taking online courses or even in-person courses to make you a better uh, service provider. Uh, do that instead of like, well, I'm going to get a fancy website. People are not buying them from the, the website. They're buying from you through the website. But at the end of the day, you are the one that uh, has to provide the service or deliver the product. Correct. And I know you also help other people better present themselves. So what would you say are some of the recommendations that you give to those job seekers to better present themselves? Uh, first of all, you know, smile more, which is something that I, I had to learn myself. You know, I'm a big guy. I'm a six foot one. And, you know, for at least for Mexicans, I'm, I'm, I'm tall for any anyone, but definitely tall for Mexicans. And then on top of that, I have a very serious face. So I can be very intimidating. And uh, I didn't realize my mom growing up, like, like many introverts, uh, would always tell me to smile more. And I never really... Uh, Took it seriously. I just thought it was my mom that she, I don't know, she's just crazy. She's nonsense. And um, it wasn't until uh, several years ago, uh, I, I guess it was about 2006 or 2007, I went to a dinner and there was this uh, guy walking towards me and he was big. He was, he was really big and like he looked angry and like mad. And um, so I, I was like, you know, this guy's not going to scare me. So I started walking towards that guy faster. And I put my shoulders back and, you know, I walked a little bit faster. And then he did the same thing. He lifted his shoulders back and started walking faster. And I was like, I guess we're going to play chicken until one of those backs down. 
And uh, I was about, I don't know, maybe three or four feet away from this guy when I realized it was actually a full body mirror and it was me <laughs> walking towards myself angry. I mean, I looked, again, I thought the guy was angry and I didn't realize that like that guy was me. And that, I was like, wow, like if I scared myself, you know, if I looked that aggressive to myself, what do other people see me as? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, not everyone has a problem where they're like, they're huge or very tall, but again, that smile, uh, can, can, can turn people off because they say, well, this guy's not, uh, uh approachable. Uh, this guy's maybe he's, he looks mean, so I'm not going to talk to him. So that's one, that's the first thing I would recommend. Like look at your body language. I guess not just the smile, but how you stand, how you speak, how you ask questions. Those are things that matter because again, at the end of the day, that's how they're de- dealing with you. That's, that's, uh, you know, how they learn from you too. Like, I wonder if you talk to him now, he looks like he's really busy or really angry. Uh, and it's like, no, I'm, I'm just here waiting for someone to come talk to me, but no one's talking to me because I don't know. I wonder where no one is like, well, maybe you don't look approachable. So that's one thing, uh, uh, clients or anyone else for that matter, check your body language. The opposite is true. Some people smile too much and they might not take it seriously because, oh, I know they said that if I mess up one more time, I'm going to be fired, but I think they were joking. And it's like, no, they weren't joking. But again, like at the end of the day, you're in charge of uh, the message that you deliver. Maybe people don't understand. If people don't understand, that's because you didn't deliver the right way that they needed to uh, listen. So I get always think about if someone doesn't understand you, it's probably because you didn't deliver the message the way you were supposed to. Correct. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe that's a good uh, in in COVID times. Maybe not smiling. It's a good <laughs> defense so that yeah. people don't don't come closer to you. But uh, hopefully, we'll get to post COVID times and, and get to going back to events. And I want to talk about that because I know that's we met at networking events. What was the National Society of Hispanic MBAs that it's now Prospanica. So. What other steps, Ramon, have you taken to make sure that people in the industry know you, like you, and trust you? I know you're big on events. What are some of the steps that you've taken throughout your career to make sure that you're growing your brand so that people know that you are the expert in this area and they come to you when they need your help? I think uh, for the past few years, and and actually this 2020 was an excellent uh, testing ground for this, is I didn't want to spend too much time at events. So I love speaking and going to events to speak, but uh, networking events are always a big drain for me as an introvert. I never really enjoyed them. And when I first started off uh, being more effective at uh, networking events, one thing I did is I picked events that were exclusive. And by that, I mean, there was some kind of barrier to go. So I noticed if I went to those, mega happy hours, which I'm sure you've been to, where like mm-hmm. it's hundreds, 200, 300 people, and they give you one free drink if you show up and sponsored by someone. And everyone and their mom shows up. So people looking for jobs, people not looking for jobs, people looking to get drunk, people trying to sell. And I didn't really have, I met some people and I made some connections, but it was just a big drain and I didn't find them as effective. Um, so from there, I said, you know what, I'm gonna do something better. There has to be something better. And so what it is, for me, at least it was like, okay, there has to be uh, a cover charge. You have to buy a ticket. And and for me, I guess as an introvert, I enjoyed smaller events. So usually events that you have to pay a ticket are smaller. And also the people who go there, 
are because they they want to be there, not because it was they didn't have anything else to do. Uh, even if it's like I've seen events for like ten dollars, and again, ten dollars should not be a lot of money to a lot of people. But um, you know, some people say, you know, I'm not going to go because it's charged ten dollars. Like, good, I don't want that person there. I want the person who's going to buy a ten dollar ticket. So like, I'm going to buy this ticket because I definitely want to be there. Uh, so that's really worked out for me. So from there, I was like, okay, what can I do if I could not go to events? It really was more like I don't want to go to events anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want to drive to a place and and have to spend time with people and maybe nothing happens. Um, so what do I do now? It's like, okay, well, maybe I should focus more on the quality of the work I deliver and talking to my current clients and see who do they think I can help out. And I started doing that in 2019, where I actually don't think I went to any events in 2019. And my business actually didn't go down, I actually went a little bit higher. And it was all by word of mouth. So instead of me having to go out there and uh, evangelizing people, I had my clients do that for me. I would ask them, hey, who else do you think needs help? Um, after, after, of course, I got them the results that they thought they needed, and even more sometimes. So they were obviously happy to tell other people about me. Um, and then 2020 came around and actually, you know, we actually sold more than we did the year before. And I have not sat by the time my house, I've been doing all my business through this room right here. Um, and again, it was because of that. Like I had my clients talk on my behalf. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and how do I do that? By making sure that my clients get exactly what they wanted and more. That's a good point, Ramon. Just picking your spots where you can be the most efficient if, if you could go back because that's a that's a good point about the events i would also do the exact same thing be a, be a little bit more selective if you could go back what are some of the other things that you could you would recommend that younger ramon to do differently for example you made an investment pretty early in your logo and and headshots there's a lot of people that don't do that until very later on and maybe they should have done that at the beginning I, I know, for example, Grant Cardone talks a lot about he wished he would have been able to invest more in his personal branding. He was a little bit afraid at the beginning. Now that he's bigger, he sees the value in doing videos and many other things. So in your case, if you could go back and talk to that Ramon that is starting the business, what would you tell him to do differently so that maybe you could avoid, he could avoid some of those mistakes or he could grow a little bit faster? You know, that's something I've thought about before. And for me, it actually uh, hurts me a little bit to think about this because I start going down a spiral of like, well, I should have done this, I should have done that. And it's one of those things where like the best time to start X is yesterday. The second best time is today. I I try not to do a lot of those exercises where like, I wonder what I would have told myself because you know, this is a sign of the times. Wouldn't it be been wonderful if we could have all invested or not invested, like speculated on GME uh, about three three weeks ago? And it's yeah. like, yeah, I, mean, if I knew if what was going to happen or what could have avoided. I, I would have said that instead of, you know, like instead of focusing on my business, like, hey, you know what? Invest all your money in GameStop because you're going to have, you know, $500,000 by the end of the week. Um, so I really don't try to do a lot of that, those exercises. Um, what I do like to tell myself is like some of the things I actually did really well. So I think some of the things I've done really well uh, was, uh, for example, one of the books I read that I really feel changed the tra trajectory of my work was uh, Million Dollar Consultants 
Mm-hmm. That particular book, they have a, a section where the guy says, like, don't don't charge by the hour, charge by the project. And think about how what how the company or your client benefits and charge a percentage of that. So in, in my industry for career coaches or interview coaches, most people charge by the hour. Um, I don't. I charge by the project. And and for me, uh, it, made a, it makes a lot of sense because, again, I want to make sure my client knows that once we engage to work together, I'm not going to try to string them along for more hours and more hours and more hours. Um, I want to make sure that they know that once we start working, like all our energy, all our focus is going to be on that person getting to that job that they want. So um, I don't want them to think, well, you know, we talk about an hour of career advice and stuff like that. And then, but if you want the secret to getting a new job, you have to buy another hour. I also didn't want them to not call me or text me or email me with questions outside of a regular meeting times because it, they would think, oh, I'm gonna have to pay another hour, but, but I'll just save it for next week. And I said, no, I want, if you have a question right now, and we finish our session, and during the week you have a question, no matter how small it is, or something comes up, I want them to text me so that way we can solve that problem right then and there. So by the time we meet again, that we have a new problem to work on and not like, oh, by the way, a recruiter called me. I wasn't sure what to say. What do I say? Like, when was that? Six days ago. No, like, that's not acceptable. We should have done that six days ago. So I didn't want them to limit themselves on how many times they could call me. On the personal side, I didn't want to keep track of hours. I didn't want to send a bill every month. Oh, well, you know, it was 15 minutes here, five minutes there, an hour and a half over here, 45 minutes here. I didn't want to deal with that. But when I read that book, it said, you know, people are willing to pay for this uh, as, as a as a project as opposed to the hour. I was like, wow, like that's a great idea. Like, let me try it. And uh, it works really well. My clients love it because, again, they make a payments and we're done with that. We never have to talk about the money part again. We all, again, all my energy, all my focus is on that one client's. Um, so I, 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 that's one of the things I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I congratulate myself, if that's possible, on, on reading that book and, and putting that lesson from that book into action. You bring up a great point, Ramon. I've read, I think, all of his books just because you recommend it. And any book that you recommend, I usually read. There's one that comes to mind. I think it's a verbal judo, which which is such a valuable asset because of it gets you thinking differently when dealing with people. I remember there's a great story. I think he was a police officer and there was a situation where somebody was about to commit suicide. They were in a bathtub and they were going to, I think, plug a cord and they were going to electrocute themselves and everybody was there. Nobody knew, knew what to do. And he just came in and said, that's great. You're going to kill yourself. Do it. But uh, I want you to know that um, if you do it by electrocution, you're going to be electrocuting yourself for about like five minutes. And it's one of the most painful ways to do it. But you can come out. I have a gun here. Come out. I'll give you the gun. You can just shoot yourself and get it over with real quick. And then the guy came out. And of course, they just handcuffed him and took him to a place. But it's just the opposite of what you would think, right? Like in that situation where it's like, no, let's calm him down. And it's it's the opposite of what that person needs to be understood and get up, get it out of that situation. So it just that book really got me thinking very differently when dealing with, I guess, confrontation in, in situations like that. And 
Are there any other resources? You bring up books. Of course, I'm a book lover. You know that. I think everybody who watches our content knows that. But are there any other any other books, courses, resources that you recommend to people in terms of building their presence, their their personal brand, and, and making sure other people know they are a thought leader? One thing when I, I was starting the idea of, of this business, I was getting all these books on copywriting and and how to convince your clients and selling and that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I was reading through all of them. And my wife, you know, I, I love her and she's very smart. And that's one of the reasons I married her because she's very, very smart and she can see uh, different angles than I don't. We complement each other. And so I had all these books and I've been reading, taking notes and everything. And then she comes to me and she says, you know, that's good that you're doing all this stuff about how to deal with the business, but maybe you should read some books about how to do the actual thing that you're teaching people to how to do. So it, it kind of stopped me in my tracks and I realized, wow, like that's, that's true. Like, it's not just about the business. Cause again, like, it's not like I'm the only person in the world that does resumes or coaches people through interviews. However, I can be the best one in the world. And by doing that, I had to focus on my craft on, on those things that I do. So mm -hmm. uh, my recommendations would be, uh, I mean, I could give you the books I read for my business, but I would say for other people out there, look for the books in your business and on um, people who do that thing that you do and learn from them so maybe that way you can become the best one in the world so again i can give you my my personal for my business but that's not going to help anyone except my competition <laughs> but uh really my recommendation for other business owners is that like okay who's the best one in your business that does that buy their courses read their books and try to implement that into your business it makes sense it's your niche and then do it better. That's what I do with my things. I, I'll, you know, I've, I've talked about uh, this with you, how I pay thousand dollars for online courses of people who do the same thing I do, mm -hmm. just so I know, am I am I on the right track? Are they doing something different than uh, than I am? Are they doing it better than I am? Mm -hmm. How can I use that idea for me so I can be better than they are? Um, and and books and you know, anytime there's an online course, I've, I've gone to presentation in person presentation, obviously not in 2020, but before that, uh, people who are, you would, people would say might be my competition. I go to their presentations and I learn from them. And actually, when I see someone that does in, in my same field, I go and talk to them. I introduce myself. To me, it's very interesting. I would recommend this to anyone who has a business or, or who um, is doing something. Go talk to the people who are in your same area, even if they do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that the people who are eager to reach back are the ones who are doing well. And the ones who don't reach back are usually the people who are struggling in their business. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the people who reach back, let's say, you know, you're also an uh, interview coach. And if I reach out to you and you reach back to me, they say, oh, it's great meeting someone else. And like, what do you do? And that kind of stuff. Um, you realize that no matter how big you are or how small you are, like, the market is way bigger than us. Correct. So even if if uh, if you take half of the world and I take the other half of the world, or I take half the city and you take the other half of the city, if you take half the block and I take the other half of the block, like there's still enough money for us to be very well off. Correct. So those people are always happy to interact. And I, I always like meeting other people because they're willing to share ideas like I am. I can share my ideas, what I do, and they'll tell me, oh, I'm doing a little bit different. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's a good idea. Or like, 
that works for them, but I think I'm going to do my thing because mine works really well for me. And that's fine. But the people who never reach out, I've noticed, again, they feel like there's not enough to go around, which is complete lie. I mean, again, even if you're, you have competitors in your city or in your block, like if you split halfway, there's probably enough, more than enough for the two of you, for the five of you, wherever I mean, there are. Um, so that's something I, I really uh, like to do, reach out to the people who are in my business and, and just meet with them, talk to them. You bring up a great point, Ramon, which is to make sure you're really good at what you're doing so that you can be considered a thought leader. And at some point you have to, I guess, turn the corner and make sure that other people you know, other people know that you are as good as you are, right? So they can come to you. And could you talk a little bit about how you've dealt with the fear of self-promotion? This is something that all of us struggle with especially with social media. We see people out there that sound a little bit too egotistical and we don't want to look like that. We don't want to be salesy, but then we go maybe to the other extreme of not sharing anything and then people don't come. I know you've, you've done a lot of work on, on promoting yourself. So how does that process look like from being afraid to promote yourself to doing it with the right mindset so that you can help more people? The, the, what changed for me was that instead of me trying to, instead of me trying to get new clients, I put myself in the idea that I'm trying to help more people. Mm-hmm. When I do a call, an initial uh, onboarding call for potential clients, and uh, it doesn't go through the way I want it, so I don't get a new clients, I am angry at myself, not because I lost the money, but because there was someone who needed my help that I didn't convince that I could help them out. That's been true, I mean, for years from when I was doing $25 a resume to my current fees right now. Um, th- this isn't about the money for me. Again, remember what I told you before, that it, it wasn't like I, I wanted to make money off of this and like be rich. It was like, I want to help more people out, but there's so many people out there, I can't help them out. You know, how do I just help the right people? The ones who really want to be helped, and, and I, start, I put a dollar amount on it. And, and again, dollar amount didn't matter. It still doesn't matter now. Um, I wanna make sure I work with the right people, but that's that's why I approach these things. Like I need to help more people. And I, I need to help the people who want to be helped. Because again, everyone says they want help. Everyone is looking for a new job. Everyone's looking for more new clients. Everyone wants help with their marketing, but not everyone's willing to, to put the work into it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all those books back there. I have books back here. You can give people the books to read them and they're not going to read them. Mm-hmm. Some people are, but the people are like, you know, this is what I've done. I need help. And they actually want help. They don't want you to do it for you. They don't want you to do it for them. They want actual help and willing to put the work. And that's the people I want to help. Um, but that's, that's what I see when I want to make a call. Uh, that's my mindset. This isn't about me making money and charging them, whatever. Again, to me, the, the dollar amount doesn't matter. It's like, I was able to help a new person and get to where they wanted. And, and and going back to your question about the promotion, that's why I see it. I need to make sure people know that I can help them out. The, again, the, the dollar amount, that's besides the point. I need to make sure they understand that if they have a problem, if they come to me, I will solve the problem for them. Uh, and that's that's how I overcame that fear of promotion, of being sales. I, again, this isn't, when I call someone, I'm like, I'm gonna make a sale, I'm gonna make money off of this. Like, no. I need to make sure I help this person out. I need to convince them that I can help them out. If it doesn't go my way, 
I didn't do something that uh, didn't commit some. Correct. And, and we don't want to give all your secrets away, Ramon, but do you have any stories, any quotes, any anecdotes, anything that has helped you when you're in front of that person that you really want to help to drive the point home that you are the person that can help them and they you can create the change that they want to see? I always ask them what they've tried so far. I've noticed that if uh, you start just throwing ideas out there, People aren't very receptive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, when to me, it's interesting because when, when people ask me, what do I do? A, a lot of people are, are real eager to say what they do. Mm-hmm. And and that's not me. Uh, I'm more interested in finding out how I can help. But I can do a lot of things. I, I You know, I, technically, my, my title is uh, interview coach. But that's not the only things that I do. Uh, it, and even within obviously the, the interview or job search space, I do a lot of things. But first, I want to find out what is the problem that you're having. Maybe you're not having trouble with interviews. Maybe you have trouble with your resume, or maybe you're having trouble with the negotiation part. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have trouble with anxiety, which affects your interviewing, but actually affects all your other things, your relationships, meeting your friends, your classroom. Um, and that's that's really what I, I want to find out first. What is the problem that you're having? How you know? Some people say, well, I have, I need to help carry these things. Like, I'll carry them for you. Like, I want to help people out. And I found out, for me at least, in this area, I'm really, really, really good at helping those people out. So that's that's really what I think about. Like, how can I help them out first? What is, what is the problem you have? Mm-hmm. Once you determine that, I can tell you, yeah, I can help you out. Sometimes I say, you know what, I can help you out. But this guy or this girl who also does what I do, they can help you out better in this particular situation mm-hmm. because they focus that's you are in their niche and then I'll send them off to someone else. Uh, I get, but first really, that's what I would determine. What do you need help in? And then we can determine how I can help you out. Correct. And you mentioned that you're not looking forward to always saying what you do, but when you do get asked, let's say you're at an event, you have to introduce yourself. What's your typical answer to the, what do you do question? And we do, I'm actually, years ago, uh, I became a member of this uh, uh, entrepreneur group where we, part of the of the group was practicing our introductions and depends, and we, we made a game out of it. So sometimes they said, you know, you only have 10 seconds to say, sometimes they say you have five minutes to say what you have. Uh, sometimes they'll say you have 10, you have to say in 10 words. So there's a lot of different things that I can say, uh, some longer, some shorter. And we would say, you know, you only have 30 seconds to say it. I would say something like, I hope you get the job that you want. If you had longer time, you know, I would always fill it out and talk more about the niche. Uh, I, I think it's changed from when I started. So years ago, you know, seven, eight years ago when I started, I was really just helping people get the jobs that they wanted. And I work with CFOs, lawyers, accountants, teachers, um, people in retail, students, uh, engineers, all, all kinds of people. But as I've gone through my journey in my business, I've been able to uh, narrow it down to a niche. So I really am very, very, very good at helping people, uh, students who are looking for that first co-op graduates. Um, that's something, not only am I very good at it, I'm very good at doing other things too for other people, but that's the one I really, really enjoy because to me, at least, 
in my perspective, is that if I help that student get that first co-op, the rest of their 30 or 40 years of working, it's going to be a lot easier mm -hmm. because they have great starts. So that's where you go. I help students get the co-op that they want to have a great career. You bring up a great point, Ramon, which a lot of people don't do or don't think is valuable, which is working on the different stories for the different moments, right? Like some people don't even know what they're going to say when they get asked, what do you do? And you're a little bit of ahead of me on this. I was going to have a lot of questions, but you already hit on, on a lot of the points. So how important do you think it is for people to work on those 10 second, 30 second, one minute, five minute options and, and test those so they're ready to share with an audience. I always say that in business we're like comedians, but we don't tell jokes. We share professional stories. So how important do you think that work has been in terms of being able for you to quickly determine if you can help somebody or not and they quickly can connect with you because of that story or answer? Uh, very important. I mean, I don't know if I'm weird, if other people do it, but I've always, since I was little, you know how sometimes people, uh, you get in an argument with someone and then, you know, later that afternoon or the next day or several days later, you think of the perfect comeback. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, well, I, I do the opposite. I have these things in my head, like, I wonder, if, what would I do if this happened? And I, I, I play it out in my head and then I practice those responses in my head. So when it does happen, if it ever happens, like the answer is already there. People are like, wow, you're so witty. You're so quick thinking. The truth is actually like that scenario was already in my head years ago. Like I've practiced it so many times. Uh, a lot of times when it's better if you up, do the, uh, the work up front mm -hmm. than if you try to do it at the beginning. So a lot of people, again, in, in our culture, in our society, we think people are good just naturally. You know, Michael Jordan is just awesome because he's Michael Jordan. Uh, LeBron James, you know, name X person, sports star or singer or whatever. Well, we don't sit down and think about it or we don't want to admit sometimes is that those people are practicing all the time. You know, they, they there's a common quote that yeah, you don't win the Super Bowl on, on, on February the 2nd. You win it and practice in the summer the year before. Right. Yeah. Like, you got to practice these things. So, um, you know, sometimes I feel like uh, like I'm cheating because uh, when I when you go to events, sometimes networking events, they'll say like, uh, you know, someone say they'll, they'll play a game, for example, like uh, uh, two truths and a, and a lie. Uh, or, you know, someone give me a more interesting story. Like I already have answers for that. And most people are called flat footed because they'll say, OK, you like group of people, uh, let's play a game of icebreaker, two truths and a lie. And people were like, oh, what am I going to say? And they come up with some mediocre story that you kind of remember, but not really. But me, I've, I had that story down like that. I already, it's already in my head. Yeah. It's in my back. Yeah. It's like I'm cheating. You know, it's like I took my notes out. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have the perfect answer. And I always win those contests. Yeah. And it's funny because, again, to me, it's I'm cheating because I was ready for it. But is it really cheating if you prepare for it? You know, so... I don't feel that bad when they give me like a new, a new iPad or you know a, a new Yeti cup or whatever, because I'm like, well, I prepared for this. I, I deserve this. So again, I, I recommend for people to prepare for these things. Um, you know, practice. Uh, I saw I heard a quote the other day. Uh, you know, there's usual practice makes perfect. 
and this this actually sounded better was practice makes prepared correct and to me that was that's like yeah that's right like instead of maybe you're never going to reach perfection but at least you'll be ready for it for whatever comes up because you already have that that idea in your head of how to respond or how to ask a question instead of trying to come up with them on the fly so yeah absolutely i don't remember the general but there's a quote that says the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in war. Yeah. It, it goes in line. And I want to go deeper into that because I remember um, I remember we did we did some sessions and you helped me with some. I remember you asking me, what's a question you don't want to get answered? You don't want to get asked? Okay, let's work on that, right? Like, how are you going to avoid it? Um, and, and we've talked a lot about this. I also remember having to practice because I remember the first time I charged $10,000 for something, I thought it was a lot of money and I had to practice because I needed to sound confident that, that for me was like nothing. So I had to practice in the mirror and look at my face and it's $10,000 several times until I felt like it was nothing. Cause at the time it was like, Oh my God, I don't know. Like they're going to think I'm crazy. So do you have any, any advice, any, I guess, tactics, strategies on how you go about practicing those stories. Like in my case, for example, I do a lot of video content and that's where I practice my stories, right? Like I usually write them. I have a script or I do a blog that helps me kind of like memorize it. Then I usually practice it in a video. I would, when I was in Toastmasters, I would use that space to also practice some of the stories that I was going to use in your case. How do you make sure you're practicing the story? So you have them down. And then once you have them down, is that it? Or do you, let's say, refresh them before going to an event? So when I was part of that entrepreneur group several years ago, I had my weekly practice. So we had a, an hour, basically, where we sat down. And, and well, actually, we didn't sit down. We had to get up and do that that uh, presentation. And at the end, people would give us feedback on, on how we felt. It was a lot like Toastmasters. Um, what I before that and even after that and uh, currently not now is uh, I walk around thinking those things in my head first. Like, what would I say if they asked me this? Mm-hmm. Or if this happened, what would I do? And then I practice it out loud. I mean, I'll, I'll go outside and just, I probably look crazy to my neighbors, but I'll walk and I'll, I'll, I'll I mean, I'm not saying it full volume, but I'll kind of say it a little bit out loud. Okay, this is what I would say. And I take, take again, it's not just with uh, with uh, uh, presentations or anything like that. It's uh, with things that are going to happen in your life. And, um, you know, what, what would you do if a branch fell on your kid right now? Um, most people don't think that. Most people don't want to think that. And But I, I found for myself that if I, I think it enough times, like I'm a little bit desensitized to it, to where like, okay, obviously very traumatic and like I don't want it to happen. But if it does happen, I already know what I need to do because I've practiced so many times. Like, I'm going to go do this and do that and do that. And then, again, the practice, like, okay, how big is the branch going to be? Well, if it's going to be real heavy, I probably have to, like, lift it up. So I better start working on my squats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hopefully a branch sort falls on any of my kids. But if it does, at least I can, instead of trying to, like, figure out what am I going to do there. Um, again, you want to practice, practice, practice. That's that. Uh, no matter what you do, just practice. Again, practice makes prepared. Yeah, there's a there's a great story about Napoleon, very similar to what you do. That he 
he used to be able to predict where the final battle of a war was going to happen. And people thought he was kind of like crazy or was like doing witchcraft or something. But then it was it was known that what he did was basically think of every scenario, right? Yep. Like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I would do. This is what I think the other general would do. He might do, if I do A, he might do A, B, or C, right? And if I do B, he might do A, B, or C with every option. So he, of course, had a kind of like decision tree and then think probabilistically, okay, this is what it's likely to happen and this is why it's going to end here. And then, of course, he had plans for everything. So when, I don't know, no. hey, they blew up our ship and that's where we had all the powder, everybody would freak out and he wouldn't because he had already thought about it. And it's like, oh, if, okay, if this, then that, because this is what we need to do. So, yeah, that's 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 a great point. There's a, a, Go ahead, a quote. I don't know if it's a quote, but like a, from The Simpsons, uh, you know, Bart, I, I think it, for some reason, I can't remember exactly the episode, but The Simpsons, Bart, actually studies for a test and and then he he does really well on the test and uh he says like it's like you cheated by writing the answers on your brain mm-hmm. when, when you practice when you think about it like okay i wonder what i'm gonna do okay i think i'm gonna do this like let me try it no actually that's that's dumb like let me try a different thing oh yeah actually this works real well how can i make it better let me try a different way and again like for me it's just a fun little game that i played when i was little for every everything you can tell me what's going to, you can give me a scenario and I probably thought about it in my head already and I have a solution. And again, it's like cheating by writing the answers in your head. So I always like to do that. It, it's just, um, it, for me, it's, it's a lot of fun. If I could spend my day doing that and getting paid for it, like I would be the happiest person in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's shift a little bit, Ramon, and talk a little bit about your clients. When, when people do business with you, why, what do you think are the top two to three reasons they do so? What would you say is Ramon's unique selling proposition? I think uh, being committed to the success of the clients. Uh, again, this isn't about me making money. This is about us getting to where they want to be. Um, second thing is uh, being engaged. I think, uh, again, one thing I talk to my clients before I I bring them on is I, I say one thing I can promise you is that um, when we are in our calls, when we are talking on the phone, like you're going to be my focus. I'm not going to be texting. I'm not going to be emailing. Like you're going to be my sole focus. On the flip side, and I tell them, and they say, "Well, wow, that's great." And I say, "Okay, um, that's my promise to you. I want you to if before you become a client of mine, I want you to make a promise to me that we do the same thing when you are talking to me." When you're asking questions or having sessions, your commitments will be to me. You're not going to be texting. You're not going to be emailing. You're not going to be checking your, your YouTube video. Because at the end of the day, we want to be uh, committed to each other. It's not just me. No matter how much time they pay, how much time we spend together, or how much money I charge, that's not going to get them the job. Uh, what's going to get them the job is doing the things that I uh, guide them through. That's really what the results, uh, uh, how they get the results. And that's really what I, what I promise my clients and I make them promise to me. Correct. And this is a little bit of cheating because I know this story, but uh, um, let's talk about your ideal client and, and who you can help the most. And I know you have a great story of a student you helped that 
used to be someone who didn't talk to a lot of people and then suddenly they they looked like a, a complete different person could you tell us a little bit more about that you, you know it's it's funny because that story has been repeated many many times so uh it it, it hasn't happened once it hasn't happened twice it's just uh, over and over again and it, it talks about this particular student who uh, was going to college very introverted had a lot of anxiety and uh, it, he was having trouble getting a, a co-op. So I think we, we uh, engaged to work together um, late August, early September, right when the semester was about to start, so the fall semester. And, um, you know, so we, we, we had several sessions, a weekly session, and I was seeing improvements. And uh, we still haven't had uh, an interview yet. Uh, he had a couple of uh, phone screens. And then he said, like, I feel like I'm doing better than I was before I start working with you, because even though I'm not getting to the next phase, I feel like I'm my anxiety is a little bit gone, mm -hmm. and um, I feel good when I hang up the phone. I feel great when I pick up the phone, and then I, when I'm done, like I, I could have done better, but I I know I didn't mess up royally. So uh, come around November, around Thanksgiving time, uh, at, right actually right after Thanksgiving, uh, you know, obviously the student went home for the for Thanksgiving break. And then uh, I get an email from the mom, his, his mom on, on a Sunday evening, that they want to talk to me urgently. And I, I get it when I get an email like that. Sometimes I think, well, maybe they're expecting a faster result um, on, on the process or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought basically it was going to be complaints uh, the first time it happened. So we set up a time to talk, the mom and I. And the mom, the first thing on the phone, says, "What did you do to my son?" And so she says that, and immediately in my head, I'm like, what did I do wrong? I didn't say it out loud, but I just kind of think like, what what happened? Like, you know, we're, we're making progress. He doesn't have a job yet, but uh, there's a lot of things we're working through and he's making progress. I think he's been improving. Uh, again, all these things are raised to my head. I kind of think, uh, not necessarily to respond, but just kind of, okay, where's this coming from? And then she says, you know what he did this this uh, during the Christmas uh, Thanksgiving break? Uh, when we picked them up, uh, he he was smiling. When uh, we drove, we got to the house from the when we picked them up in the train station. He got out of the car, and he waved to our next door neighbor, uh, which he hadn't done. So keep in mind, this is college student, so he's like you know 2021, 20, which he hadn't done since it was eight. And he said hi to the neighbor and talked to him a little bit, and and then he went inside the house for Thanksgiving dinner. He actually sat at the table, and. Uh, he wasn't the life of the party or anything like that, but he asked questions. He kind of talked a little bit about college where in the years past, usually he would grab his plate and go into his bedroom and have Thanksgiving dinner by himself. That's how introverted he was and how anxious he was with any of the people. And, and so she's telling me, they said like, well, you know what else would have happened? He went to a girl's apartment and, uh, and I was, <laughs> I was like, well, that's so funny that they would blame me for that. And she's like, uh, you know, this is a friend of uh, his from a long time ago, and they actually, uh, they're in the same college now, but he's never gone to her, uh, talk to girls or anything like that. And this is the first time I've known that she actually uh, has some kind of relationship with a girl. They weren't dating or anything like that, or maybe they were, I'm not really sure, but uh, the mom was just so amazed by the change that happened. And she's, and again, the, the first, the initial, what did you do to my son? It wasn't really a complaint. It was more like, statement of how amazed she was that the work we've been doing affected her son uh, 
and improving him. And one thing I told her is like, I didn't, I didn't make him a different person. I made him better. So he's still the same guy he was before. Uh, it's not like I said, okay, you're going to dress this way or whatever. Like these are improvements that he made on his own based on the feedback that I was giving him. And, and the reasoning why, a lot of times people say, do this, but they never explain to us why or why the, what, what the goal is. They'll say like, smile more. And it's like, well, why should I smile more? Or do your resume this way. And it's like, but why? Uh, again, a lot of times, whether it's in professional lives or personal lives, we're real eager, I, again, like <laughs> to give a response, to answer, to defend ourselves, but we're not real eager to listen first to what the problem is. What is the real problem here? Right. And sometimes you have to admit, you know what? I don't know. I don't know the answer. You know, someone else can help you better, but I cannot help you out. Um, sometimes if we're lucky, we might have the answer and we might have the perfect answer. But first, we have to determine what is the real problem here. Because again, if you come to me and say I have this problem, looking for a job, and I say, "Oh, use the resume, dress better, respond more," and that might not be the real problem. You might there might be something else that we need to figure out first. Um, and again, that's what I recommend everyone when dealing with their clients, or again, even their personal relationships. Instead of trying to listen to respond, just listen. Like, don't listen for anything else. Just okay, what is the problem here? And then. If the person wants, you can give them an answer. You might have the perfect answer. But uh, anyways, that, that's one of the, again, that story um, has happened many, many times where the, the, the parents call me, what did you do to my son? And now I know, like, okay, this isn't an accusation or a complaint. This is actually something they're grateful for. They're like, that person, that student, they're still the same person. They're just better. Same nice kid that went to get a, a technical degree. Um, he just knows that he can offer value now to you. And that, to me, that's, to, to me, really, my job is done when uh, that students changes their LinkedIn profile to the title from students to, you know, employee at X company. Uh, that's, that's really, I mean, if, if I could pay my, my bills with that, like that's what I would charge. Because that's really what makes me happy, seeing that I was able to help someone reach their goals. And I think no matter what business you're in, if you take that mindset, again, we're not here selling things, we're here trying to help people. And uh, if you can, if, you, if your job is to, I don't know, um, make outdoor grills or whatever it is, uh, don't see it as, as I say, I sell outdoor grills. Like, no, I help people enjoy the weekends. That's in my case, I, I grill all the time, but uh, really, how do you help people? Uh, I think if we, as business owners, we focus on that, uh, everything else will fall into place. Absolutely. You bring up great points, Ramon, and I'm sure we could talk for hours as we usually do. Um, anything else? I want to be respectful of your time. So anything else that you would recommend for somebody out there who's trying to build their, their brand as a thought leader in their industry? That's a great point. Learn to listen. If you want to help others, of course, you have to be a better listener, not just always looking for what you're going to say, but really listening for what the problem is. But anything else that you would like to recommend, any resources, any anything else that you would like to share with the audience? One thing uh, that I would recommend, there's two things. Uh, the first thing is that work on your niche. Um, 
for me, it's it's taken it took me about six years or so to really not just discover it, but also admit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of times we discover that niche early on, but we 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 fight against it. We're like, no, I can't help everyone else. There's more people I can help out, which is true. But there might be a particular group of people you can help out the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, no matter how big your brand is, uh, you can't help the whole world. And and uh, I think it will be uh, we can use our gifts to serve the world better by focusing on those people who can really, really, really help out, as opposed to the people we can help out. There's so many people. Let someone else uh, help out. Someone else might be really, really, really good at helping out those other people. Uh, and let's then uh, give them the chance to help them to get those awesome results, not just results, but awesome results. So that way you can focus on on the people you can get awesome results for. Uh, whether Again, no matter what your business is, is in, uh, work on that niche and, and admit it again, so that you can help them out. The second thing, which I think is the most important, is, uh, again, birds of a feather flock together. So in my case, you know, like you said, we, we t- talk all the time and uh, you know, surround yourself with people who you admire, people who are also um, looking forward to what the next thing is. Uh, not necessarily to um, jump on a new fad, but to improve themselves, like trying, testing things out because you can learn from them. Uh, and, and again, you can share business advice, but you can also share that enthusiasm. Like, okay, he's doing real well and he's done these things. Maybe I should think about doing some of those things too and testing them out for myself uh, because maybe I can do well too. Uh, and again, just you surround yourself with people who make you a better. There's a lot of terms for this, the plus one people, uh, you know, uh, smarter people than you, that kind of stuff. You know, again, look for your crowd, the ones that are where there isn't any jealousy and they're willing to share ideas because again, where you're doing well, there's enough for everyone. There's more than enough for everyone. So find those people that uh, encourage you and uh, maybe even make you a little bit jealous. Like, wow, he's doing really good. I got to catch up with pretty competition. Um, to me, that's that's one of the most important things as a, as a business owner. Thank you, Ramon. And where can people find you? Somebody wants to reach out, say hi, connect with you. What are some of the good places? I know you have your website, persuasiveinterview.com. People can find you on LinkedIn, Ramon Santillan. Anywhere else that you would want people to reach out if they want to get in touch with you? Well, you know, talking about branding, uh, this might be real useful for some of your listeners. Um, you can go LinkedIn.com and type in Ramon Santillan and you'll find me. But uh, one thing I determined, and I tell all my clients to work on this, uh, one of the first things when we're updating their LinkedIn profile is that you can actually update your, your URL to be whatever you want. So in my case, what I did is uh, I called it an interview coach. So if you go to linkedin.com backslash in backslash interview coach, it'll send you straight to my profile. For most people, when they create a LinkedIn profile, uh, it'll say linkedin.com backslash in backslash, you know, Joe Blow, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, for starters, it doesn't look very professional when you type that out, if you put in your resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you might know, and some of your listeners might know too, that uh, LinkedIn uh, ranks really high for SEO. Uh, and when you type in uh, an interview coach, of course, it's going to send you to the person who has the interview coach as their URL, which in that case would be me. Um, so again, I, what, that, what's where people can find me? LinkedIn.com backslash in backslash interview coach. 
you can go to my website, persuasiveinterview.com, uh, and you uh, can all just email me, Ramon, at persuasiveinterview.com. Perfect, Ramon. Well, we'll link in the show notes, and, and when we post the episode, we'll link to your page and the website. Thank you once again for being on the podcast. You're very welcome. Talk to you soon. Thank you for subscribing to the B2B Thought Leadership Podcast. It's our goal to help you become the go-to thought leader in your niche. That's why we do these interviews and we create the content. So if you want more of it, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in all the podcast platforms and especially subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click that subscription button, click the notification bell so that whenever new content comes out, you are the first to know about it. Thanks again and see you in the next episode.